Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can bring the TV. You can bring the beer. We'll wave our flags from the front porch. There's a party on in here. But it's a football night. But it's a football night. We can gather all the friends all around the Zoom. That's not a bad thing to do. But it's a football night. With us tonight, we have a what I consider a sporting Kansas City legend of his own, Chief Communications Officer, PR Guru, Rob Thompson, better known as Robo to everybody, uh, who probably knows more about this team than anybody, with the possible exception of Chet. Um, oh, I think I got Chet really hit. <laughs> Really beat. He might so, argue with you on that. I don't think short. so. Uh, I'll, I'll go with I him if he so. arms wrestles you. Correct. Yeah, yes, but I'll go is. with you since you're here right now. Uh, well, Robo, you got to understand what a great compliment that was. You do understand that, right? You got that? Okay. We'll see how this goes first. <laughs> uh, Robo has been with the team since 97, right? Started in 97, correct. And been somet- the, the, sometimes the lone PR guy and chief bottle washer and everything else, right? Yep, I think I've overseen every department except sales at some point. So I know lots of stuff that's been gone on in the, within the organization. But, uh, yeah, so it's been a great ride. And Robo, Robo and I talked about this the other day about doing this because uh, I got a little behind the scene. I was helping with a photograph uh, the other day with the team photo for the 2019 Sporting Kansas City is a recreation of the 1999 Kansas City Wizards team photo at the Kansas City Zoo. And if I understand correctly, you were the creative genius behind that, Robo. Uh, well, cre- the original? Some, some people, both, some people beg to differ. Uh, yeah, so in, in 99, 
Uh, our team was eight and twenty-four that season. Uh, so it was, uh, it was not. You happy, didn't have to bring that up. Not happy times. Well, I'm just saying. So to get everyone to go to the zoo in their full in their full kits wasn't the easiest thing in the world. Uh, okay. um, you know, Bob Gaines had just been on board for maybe a couple months at that time, and he was straight soccer through and through. And I still talked to to Coach Gainsler at least every two weeks. Um, oh, that's awesome. But we had some characters on that team as well, and and you know back then it was a labor of love for these players that when they played they they weren't in it for the salaries they weren't in it for anything else but the, but the fact they had passion for soccer so, uh, but we were struggling that year so it wasn't very fun to put everyone on their in their kits riding a little tram to the elephant exhibits in the middle of the day it was a hot day if I remember correctly and I remember uh, one tall redheaded goatee gentleman on our team wasn't. Uh, Overly thrilled, but um, Cody, so was be that it. You? No, <laughs> <laughs> it was Cody Bradley. So no, but, but you know the, those days were great, and and, and you know the, I think personalities have changed immensely over the years. But so is play on the field. We can talk about that later about the difference of of those teams to compare to the teams of today in, in MLS. But uh, still, we've always had great people on our team and organization over the years at, at the Wizards and Sporting Kansas City. And so it was no different. I mean, it's still fun. And people want to give you a little razzing here and there, but it's all in good nature. And people, when they were there both times, everyone was great and had fun. And, and the elephants cooperated. So that was always a plus. I have one quick question because he was my former soccer coach growing up, Mark Santel. Oh, yeah. He there for the elephant photo? I typically don't like uh, St. Louisians that that that, that much, but uh, Ooh, he was a, he was a very 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 Three nice guy. Right he was not there. He he was here in '01, um, so he missed that he missed that picture. But he was a very 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 nice nice guy. We've always had good guys on our team. Un- unfortunately, hating on St. Louis is this is the wrong podcast for that. As much as I would love to do it, Cody is outnumbered are... shockingly. Three it's weird in this city to be outnumbered as a. And Allie can take him all in a row. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> oh, okay, Robo. I think it's a good place to start. Okay, what was the reception like from the zoo staff back in you know ninety nine? Well, compared to how they treat you, maybe. Yeah, so it? I can tell you that that's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, back in the. Kansas City's sporting career 1.0. So, you know, we, our Q factor wasn't high, and, and people enjoyed going to the games, certainly, but if you ask them the next day what the score was, they might not know, and if you ask them who their favorite player was, if it wasn't Precky, they might not have an answer. And then they said, do you like, the, do you like going to the games? I said, sure. But so it, it, it was just much different. I mean, Arrowhead was the wrong facility for us, uh, although we've created lots of great memories there. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we can all listen to all old games that we can – recollect about uh about cheering and stuff but it really wasn't it was too stoic and and you know back then we had so many midweek games and the season was condensed and so the crowds weren't great but as a business it wasn't great um again we had a front office of 13 people when i first started and that grew a little bit but my marketing budget uh, back then was around you know ten thousand dollars twelve thousand dollars for for a season that's that's just tough to to navigate through and and you know again we were all Going a million different directions, trying to keep her head above water. Uh, so the reception of the zoo was what? Who? Okay, I guess we'll do this. I mean, we, you know, the year, <laughs> right. yeah, the year before, two years before, we were at Nelson Art Gallery, and so we kind of explained. Um, now it's much different. Uh, the zoo, who's a great sponsor for this game coming up, is has many fans that are sporting fans, and, and actually were stopped um, en route a couple times by some people that had noticed us because we were all wearing jerseys again all this right, time. All right. um, That's cool. Taking photos and, and, and screaming, and actually, Busio got it. The biggest of the cheers, which is different, uh, <laughs> different day and age. So probably, uh, it was probably his friends. Yeah, it's probably yeah, probably a fifth grade class trip. He's, um, he's, he's easily identifiable from a distance. Also, he is. <laughs> so yeah, correct. Well, so is Uzi. I, I bet over the years I've taken probably over 
a thousand photos of Zuzi with other people's phones. So. Um, <laughs> no, well, you, I know Busio is a favorite of the high school set. So yeah, he's yeah, and he's a, and he's a great person, great, great, and we wish him the best of luck right now at the seventeen. Uh, you said thirteen in the front office and ninety nine. How what exactly is that today? I don't know. We're over one fifty. Okay. Um, Amazing well, today. I was just looking at the team photo from ninety nine, and there was seven people that were not players in that team photo. So coaches and the other staff. Today and the photo that was just taken the other day, the, there was one that was more or less just the team, and then there was one that was everybody, and there was something like twenty five non players in that photo. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing the guys it, who were that was that staff. was the group. So for better or worse, that's who we were stuck with, and and we were together all the time. Uh, that group, <laughs> right. you know, we traveled. I mean, it, back then preseason was six straight weeks uh, in one area, and mostly most time was in Bradenton, Florida. Um, so you knew everything about everyone. And so uh, it was. It was much different, much more intimate. But, again, it was – while there was great memories, and, and I could tell you lots of different stories about those players in those times. Uh, as a business, as a, as a entertainment product, it's much, much, much better now. Who would have been your uh, choice as a roommate back then? Oh, tra- in 99? Uh, let's see. Not the, not the redhead with the goatee? Well <laughs> – well, now I could pick his brain and try to pitch him some he stuff. He probably but, retired early. Um, anyway. <clears throat> probably not Mo Johnston. <laughs> probably was uh, – well, maybe because he was probably not in the room that often. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot. You know, Chris Klein was there, and I, I think that was his second year with us, and he was – what a, what a great guy he is. And, mm-hmm. and Another St. Louis. That's right. I, I do like St. Louis. <laughs> I actually Louis re- does breed very talented soccer that's, that's right. And we hope that and we really hope they get a team so we can have a great rivalry with them. And, yes. And we really, really back that and, and are strong advocates for yeah. for that for sure. Um, they look like they're in a good position at the moment. They've fingers crossed. Yes, they've. You know, and sometimes it's better to be last in things or later on because. Mm-hmm. If you look at our league, and, and, and I don't think this is any secret, but the founding ten, ten teams really uh, need to step it up, step up their games in many areas. And, and I think that's a league you know, initiative that they want to do and, and put attention to that. But you know, we were fortunate to rebrand and, and go through what we did um, you know, with the new ownership group and starting in 2010 when we really put an emphasis and focus on that to, to where we are because we've now, you know, we were truthfully back in the old Wizards, we were, you know, the bottom of the – League in many metrics, and and now uh, certainly that's not the case. Well, you but mentioned the okay, go ahead. Go you ahead, mentioned Ali. the rebrand, and I think it's interesting because you know speaking of those founding ten teams and then kind of falling off in different ways. How did Sporting do it right? Well, I'm the biggest proponent of you make your own luck, and so certainly there was luck and fortune involved. But there was a, it was a kind of a perfect storm. First of all, I can tell you that Commissioner Garber in 2001 came to our offices at Arrowhead and talked about contraction. And, and see if we were even viable and, and set up publicly to after the rebrand saying we were not only the most successful rebrand or, or new version in, in MLS history, but maybe sports history. And, and, and so it's great to see that connection, that difference that, that, that took place. But, you know, I think it started with the vision. Vision's a big word for us. And, and we were patient with it, not trying to rush through things. And, and whether it was from changing the name, the look, we knew we wanted to get a new stadium, and the owners also knew we needed a new name. Um, Were was, you on board with that team name at the time? So the story is this. The, the team name was we hired a firm. So it was three of us in this, in this meeting and hired a firm and told them what we were looking at. And, you know, went from we wanted to make sure we 
dealt with both sides of the state line. We want to be communal. We want to be inclusive. And, and so they came back and were so excited to present to us and said, okay, we have your name. It's great. We're so excited. You're now the Kansas City Bees. And we're like, whoa. What? Before we yell what? you, first of all, let's take ownership that we must have made a horrific mistake in explaining what we're looking for because that's <laughs> the opposite of what, we, what we, our tensions were. Um, we are not going to be the bees. You're fired, first of all. We're not going to be the bees. We're going to figure this out on our own. And, and so it was a help. It helped to know what we didn't want. And then that further put a stamp on, okay, that's not who we are. We need to be, you know, bee. again. Bee. <laughs> wow. uh, so, so that's where it started. And so, that, again, that was probably in 2008, uh, maybe, because it takes a while to, to do a rebrand because you're working with Adidas and the league and some other, some other entities. So, so the rebrand happened. But before that, we – we, you know, had three different, four different stadium sites that we looked at and, and wanted to go after. And then uh, we also needed to fix what we had on the field and, and a different product. And so all these things came in place. But it was also the genesis of social media. So one big thing we are, we want to be transparent and want to be inclusive. And, and so our tone and pros matched that because that was the very beginning of Twitter. And if you remember Kai Kamara, one of the very first things that happened on Twitter when he invited everyone for a snowball fight. And that became who we were, and we did that in many different instances, and, and that worked. And then uh, with the rebrand of the name, uh, with the summer of soccer that year, with the, the World Cup and, and the U.S.'s great success and the exciting games of Power and Light, we played Manchester United after that. And Chad well, Johnson. Well, 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 that <laughs> well, many people came to the Man U game at Arrowhead, most of them wearing red. If you guys remember correctly, that game was competitive. In fact, Jimmy Conroy got a red card, and we weren't allowed to substitute someone back in, which is unheard of in, in a friendly. And so we were, JVR No scored first, and, and then Jimmy got the red card and a penalty kick. Um, they scored that, and then Kai Kamara hit one. If Vieira was in place then, it might not have counted because I think it, it was very close to being over. But it had, yeah, it, it had her off the, just cr- a touch. Off the crossbar off, and, and, and in, and 2-1, and, and we held on, and we played every one of our guys. There's a picture I remember of Graham Zuzzi with a shaved head and Matt Beasler looking like he's yes. 10 years old in, oh, yeah. in there. We even played Sunil Chetri. I mean, we, the but amazing we, Sunil Chetri. But we, he was, actually, he was one of the all-time leading scorers for his national team history. Yeah. But, yeah. but the crowd started cheering for us and, and really having pride for – Kansas City soccer, and, and our phones rang off the hook the next day, and, and we got this whole new influx of, of new fans and new people, new contacts, and they're all younger. And, and so while we didn't, the, the biggest difference, I think, is we didn't, speaking of vision, back in, in the Wizards, we were really just trying to keep seeing what we could do by the next game. So if we had a Saturday game on Thursday, we'd say, oh, my gosh, we have no halftime show. What should we do? And someone would throw out, we need to have Frisbee dogs. Great idea. Can we get them for under $100? We'll try. Okay, go run with that. I mean, and that's how, it, that's how we operated. And that's just not a way to operate a business. To, to, back then, if you said, who's your core market? Who's your demographic? Of the 13 people in our front office, you'd probably get 13 answers. Uh, you know, we devalued our ticket in many ways. Uh, we wanted families and kids to come, but they weren't really resonating with our players. And, and so it was just a different, it was a different feel. But again, it was, you know, created many great memories for everyone, but it just wasn't sustainable you know, they're just in bits and pieces, not a not a all inclusive where they're part of our club. So you mentioned the Kai Kamara snowball fight, and you know, there's been April Fool's Day things and uh, things like that. Are those often player uh, introduced, or are they? Well, my job is to say yes. Yeah, so or say, we, or we, how do those go? We're always encouraging our players to be themselves. Certainly, yeah, that is important. We we don't want to be contrived. Um, now, there's some things that. We've given players credit for maybe that 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 they didn't come up with, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but all in all, I mean, it's you know, it's that is the case. I, mean, I think the my favorite thing, which sometimes ideas come when 
out of the blue and take five seconds. And, and those like the Michael Harrington April Fool's prank was, which was one of my yeah. favorite things over the years. Agree. And, Agree. and so I thought of that driving to Swope. So we pulled that together in about thirty minutes. Wow. Um, but the best part of that was when. We'd go on the road and everyone would meow at him. And I mean, it was, <laughs> when he, uh, if you guys haven't seen it out there, go check out. You can just Google Michael Harrington April Fool's prank. And, and but but what we did with that is it's a good one. It, it made it to ESPN multiple times, as, as a, and every year it still gets played as one of the best pranks. But it also made it into Maxim Magazine, which is what, what the crux of the joke was. So <laughs> those things are you know. And, and listen, this is not about individuals or about me or about anyone else. I mean, it's about our team, our club, and our players. And so we we want them to take the credit for that stuff. So in some ways, though, you know, with sporting and being as big as they are now, do you sometimes long for the days when it was simpler? Uh, I mean, long is probably the wrong word, but, I mean, if you think of, of one of the better games we played was the Western Conference Championship in 2000 at Arrowhead, and, and it was a great game. We won in advance to MLS Cup. Right. And uh, the Mo Johnson bloody face and, and all that. Uh, and it was just funny where people didn't know that we – had advanced because it was like a mini game series, but then another mini game on top of that, so it was all confusing. Um, and it must have been confusing to fans too, because there were not many, not many people in the crowd that night. And so, so to not experience that with all of Kansas City, yeah, I was there. People, yeah, I was there too. That's so was I. So, but to, to not have a full crowd and, and chanting is—I mean, that's that's disappointing, right? And and so that's not what we're about. We're about creating memories and and really being a fabric of the city. And so, uh, you know, that's what we strive to do now, um, which we couldn't do back then, but. Um, yeah, but still, yeah, I, I think fond, very fondly about about those times. So when do you think that moment is where the rebrand happened and things start to change? Was there a moment where you're like, okay, things are different now. Things are going to be different. Was there a moment? Well, yeah, so we went out to, and I spoke with every media person, uh, and, and Dave Borchard, I think, did as well. I think we just kind of hit all the different media people in the city to embargo what we were going to do. And we really wanted to resonate with the younger demographic. And so when many people like Jack Harry, who actually covered us for many, 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 many years, and he was at multiple different stations, uh, TV and then radio, uh, and Frank Bull and some of these people that, that came out on air and said they blasted the name. That was, we liked that. And so we were very confident and comfortable in our skin. And, th- and that is important, having you know a, a vision, but also being you know, having the pride of what you're doing and, and hoping it works and having an idea and a plan and, and setting it forth. So, so it was, so when, when he's, when they started really not taking to the name, we had people defending it and, and then younger people and it was gone on social media. And so it was actually worked out perfectly in that sense where we didn't want everyone to love it per se. It didn't matter. We knew who, what we wanted and we had a, a goal to get there, but it helped us when a different generation of people that weren't necessarily soccer enthusiasts didn't like it and didn't understand it because, again, it resonated more with people that, that did and wanted to be a part of it, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it grew. And and Jack Harry actually said what the, one of the biggest mistakes they ever made was saying that that was a bad name because we sold more <laughs> merchandise of sporting in our first game than we did in seasons right. uh, in the past. So, um, so yeah, so there's not, not one aha moment, I don't think. And, uh, and one thing, if you remember the first ever game at, um, at our stadium – we tied zero zero in a in a pretty boring game when when Chicago did not come to play at all, um, and Rob Hyman went on the radio and said that's not who we are. That's not and that and that again being bold and confident and comfortable in your skin to do that is good. It's a good thing because we we never had that before. And so again that that pride starts building within everyone and 
And I remember we had an event at Crown Center. Uh, we we were able to have one of the Lego models of our stadium built when they when Lego Land was opening. And we had hundreds and hundreds of fans waiting to see it, and we had players there and stuff. And so I remember that being a moment, right. not the moment, of saying, wow, this is much different because I've – I can't tell you how many appearances and players I've slept around over the years when we go to a – great sponsor and and they put us in the back and you know maybe two people come up and say what are you doing here or, 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 <laughs> who are you or, or whatever um or in the past where we'd go on we'd travel and, and for geez my first 15 years i did not miss one i've never missed a home game ever in, in any of my my career but i didn't miss one road game either and uh every time on the trips people would stare at us and say who we are what you know are you guys a Musical group, or you guys, <laughs> and, and to, to now where we're just signing autographs, taking pictures, and I mean, it's compl- that's completely different. That is that is something that if you took a player from this team and threw them back in time, they would be like, they wouldn't understand. It's like two different things. In fact, we have probably many fans that think that that we started in 2011. <laughs> right. You know, they, yeah, they right. I think some do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to go back to your earlier question, to not know Preki, to not see his left foot, to not see the way he can dribble through people and cut back and that is a shame, um, and, and those are great memories. And, and again, we've had so many former, former players that have played in World Cups and did great things for their countries and were great stewards and supporters of the city. Um, they just weren't quite in the fabric as, as we are now. Well, and that's why Retro Night is such a cool thing, so people can maybe get a glimpse at all of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, back then we could do anything. <laughs> we, we were, <laughs> you know, we, we, we produced some horrifically – Awful now, great commercials. Oh, and, that's, and, no, and, not horrific. They were amazing. <laughs> back then, I mean, having Tony Miola and Peter Vermes and Carrie Zavagnin and Tim Mulqueen in a cab just yelling ba 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 over and over. That, that, I, I meant to ask which one of those oldies was your favorite of all of them. We, ha- we had a funny one that, that Anna Bush actually said we could not use of, of players uh, doing one. Um, in fact, being sued again. It, when we were the Kansas City Wiz, we were sued for our name. So not only right. did we not have a, the best name ever, we, we couldn't even use it anymore. By, uh, a, by a guy in New York, right? Baltimore. Uh, I believe oh, it was Baltimore, Baltimore yeah. Hardware Company. So. Yeah. Hmm. Same like, ballpark. Do the exact same thing. Interesting. So, yeah. But uh, I, actually, my my wife was in one commercial before we were dated. She was the – it was a retro commercial where they were doing like the – they're dancing or doing something. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. The Mojo Time one? The Mojo Time. Yeah, it's Mojo Time, time baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. Which one's your wife? She's with. She's dancing with Chris Henderson in that one, so if you want to pull oh, it up. Oh, okay. Well, fun fact. I like that. That's that right. is a fun yeah. fact. Well, yeah. I think it's interesting that. that you talk about, you know, how throughout the entire rebrand, really trying to reach a younger demographic. And now with Academy and kind of the pipeline that everyone talks about, bringing players like Busio, Kuzain up through that system, how much have they really helped reach that younger demographic even today? Well, we, we hope so. We hope they the pathway to the pros, we call it, and, and that's an important thing for us. In fact, we have uh, Daniel Shalloway's sister, Anna Shalloway, is going to come. She's moving to Kansas City next week, and she's going to do Academy content. That Coming back from the olden days where you know we're struggling every department, we, we'd have our league meetings, and if there's 10 teams, we'd have 10 PR people in the meetings. Um, mm-hmm. To not being able to move forward and having someone that's just focusing on academy content, that's that's shows the importance of it, but it shows the growth as, as well of who we are. But um, reaching young people is, is great. We, we still have a high ceiling for where we are going. Our market in Kansas City, and I've been to every stadium in every city 
old and new. Um, our market is is different than, than most of these. Our market really loves sporting, and and their their soccer knowledge and acumen is is catching up to that. While other cities, it's a little different. Um, we, a lot of soccer fans, longtime soccer fans in other cities, more of them per capita, and then they kind of fall in love with the team from there. So mm-hmm. we're kind of flip-flopping here. I mean, like, you know, we go on the road, and there's some markets that fans arrive two hours before the game just to watch warm-ups. You know, our fans like to be outside and hang out with each other before yeah. that. And, and so, it's, so you know, we can marry the two together, and as generations keep going forward, I think that's going to only more and more increase of the soccer knowledge. Uh, because I remember, um, you know, back in the earlier days when – in a ball to get played back to Uche Okafor and he'd blast it high and out of bounds and our fans would cheer like that was a good thing, like angling a football punt 44 yards out of bounds without a return. And so our fans would cheer. Now at least our, our fans know that possession is good, but there's still, you know, there's still ways to go, certainly. Yeah. In fact, I remember when we played Orlando City um, and Kaká was, was here and, and we, there was a bunch of fans that were waiting in the loading dock. I don't know what they were there for. And... Kyle was walking the team bus, and Sesanovic was walking too, and all the fans ran past him to set to get his autograph or picture for the 800th time. <laughs> and, and didn't know, I mean, so that, that just wouldn't happen in other places in the world and certainly in, in not other markets. So, um, you know, it's, just, it's great that our fans are so in tune with us and like us, and, and we don't mind, you know, if we lose and, and people say you can't spell suck without SKC. That's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Having passion in either way is, is good. It, it really is. So going back to, let's say, pre, pre-rebrand, what were some marketing ideas that you, you mentioned kind of alluded to one that were thrown out but were quickly thrown away? That well, you're gonna, if you're, we didn't we <laughs> talk about this before, but if you remember the Wizmeister, was that his name? Yardmeister. Yardmeister. Zardmeister. Zardmeister. <laughs> yeah, the Zardmeister. So that was from Lar Hunt. And so wow. – Listeners out there don't remember. He would have a microphone. He would sat sat behind one of the goals, and he would start with chants. But the chants were really Bad. not uh, like "Me likey, me yola, me likey." Me yola. And so you want the fans to say the same things, and it just did not work at all. Um, that was Lamar's idea. That was Lamar's idea, and Lamar was was great in so 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 many ways, and he was course, really in tune. But, but not marketing. No, he was he was just different. He was he was uh, came from a different. Era of marketing and and yeah, but I mean we you know he was actually ahead of his time in some we had a Zard card that we put little kiosks in the stadium and and that that was years ahead of the time of trying to do right. fan engagement and rewards and and whatnot so um, some things land some things don't and Zardmeister um, did not <laughs> land so yeah, he, was, I, he was I remember that I remember booing him um, <laughs> that was. Yeah, that, not not many cheered for him. I can tell you that. So uh, I don't know. I can't. That might have been two thousand and one or two or somewhere in there. But um, yeah, luckily he was not long for the for our, for our club. No, like one season, maybe. I think not less than that. Yeah. So you've been around for a long time. Then, like that's. I mean, two thousand nineteen ninety seven. Not many, especially in this kind of industry. In this industry, though, you know, there is oftentimes a lot of turnover, transferring, switching jobs. What is the one thing that's made you stay? Oh, geez. I mean, when you you put the investment in in so many different ways, whether it's time or energy, but but mostly relationship-wise and, and caring. And, and I mean, that's the biggest thing. You've, you've had such a vast pride. When I go to the games, I know 
so many fans. I recognize so many people at the games, and you know, it's just one big family. And so, you know, but I mean, shoot, I've I've known Peter for, I mean, now going on almost twenty years when he came in. First time I've known Carrie for for the same amount of time, and and so you you're just around these. I mean, it's just you know, it's, you do you wouldn't want to look anyway because they're you're so close to them. But uh, you still want to see there's there's still more to go for us. People we we don't ever sit back on our laurels and say we've made it by no means. But again, we're not competing with anyone else either anymore. Back then, back in the olden days, we used to say, oh, we need to do this because we're losing out to said entertainment property or sports team. But we're just trying to be the best version of who we can be and, and, and that's great enough for us but there's still always work to be done and that's exciting we're still building we're builders and and that's what we'll always be and with all that experience too you know you're an expert now in, in your job as in communications and working with a sports team what would your advice be to someone kind of looking to pave the same path that you have and build those same relationships well you have to work hard certainly <laughs> but you but I mean, I, there's no simple solution. I mean, there's, you know, I I think having a long career in something, if you're passionate for something, you're going to do well and you're going to stay in there. And then if you have, go, if you have the opportunity to take a risk or take less money at the beginning, I mean, we we made terrible salaries at the beginning. I mean, I made twelve thousand dollars a year with no insurance when I first started. Uh, so if you're able to sacrifice some things to do that uh, and be a bigger fish in a smaller sea and and, and do these things. I mean, I've, again, I've had my hand in every different department here, um, pretty much. Uh, I mean, no one's an expert in anything, I don't think. There's always something you learn. There's always something you can do. But the biggest thing I have is I have no fear. I, I can call up anyone. I can, we can try anything. And, and when you have ownership that is excited for you to, to, to take on challenges, that's, that's a great place to work. So uh, most people don't have that. They feel limited or they don't want to do that. But we're, we're encouraged to get out of our box and try different things. So, you know, I mean, it's, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, you try to celebrate the, the wins. Okay, those are all, uh, those are all happy times. <laughs> Can you think of a particular, particularly stressful day, perhaps, you know, without names? You don't have to call anybody out, obviously. <laughs> well, crisis communications is, is in my realm for sure. We've, you know, you deal with these things, nothing that's been unmanageable. Um, over the years, I mean, you know, we used to be live strong sporting park or live strong sporting park. Live oh strong. yeah. Um, so that was that was a that was a sketchy time for sure for for a little bit. But um, actually, we were the stuff came out right when we were getting with Ivy Funds for our jersey sponsor. So you kind of remember the good times too because we invited them down to the draft um, to unveil our jersey at the exact same time that. We're going through the breakup, the breakup um, with, with Lance Armstrong. Yeah. So, so I mean, there's always your choice to manage everything. But now we, we're fortunate that we've only had – I can only think of a couple unnamed players over the years that have been a problem for <laughs> organization. Nothing unmanageable because they weed themselves out, out anyway. We had someone that didn't understand social media as a draft pick in, I don't know, 09 or 10 – somewhere in there that uh, did some pretty bad stuff. And so he was ended up being cut, you know, after two weeks. But, you know, I more remember the days like we had, <laughs> we crashed a couple of vans in the olden days. The players did in preseason. We had 
players maybe not drinking water on the bench for games. There's, there's, there's the olden days where it's a different world. It, yeah. it just really, I can't even explain it. Um, players yeah. having a smoke at halftime. Yeah, that's what I was about. <laughs> well, that was the, the the Chicago Fire. If you went to their locker room at halftime back in the 2000 when we played them, there and they had an unbelievable team. Uh, I mean, really, one of the better teams in in MLS history, uh, in Kubik, and oh my gosh, yeah. uh, yes, the first European crew. They were they like to partake in some, so, some cigarettes at, at halftime. Lynn Dawson style. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, this was, well, they would shower, but yeah. It was, <laughs> we, but that you know that 2000 team was really a fun year. That was a that was a great year because everything it was a complete shift of organization. I mean, Ron Newman was an unbelievable coach, and and I was very close with. Him and his family, and and uh, but the first part of the league, I mean, DC United was very, very good, and uh, we had good players. We played a style, but we weren't, we had no, we had no set identity, truly. Uh, you know, Preki was a throwaway for us. Ron Newman grabbed him from the indoor leagues, and ended up being one of the better players in most history. Uh, fortunately, uh, because he was really what kept our games afloat. But we had, you know, every team was allowed the first years of. One player, and ours was Mike Sorber from St. Louis. Um, there you go. And, Can't escape it. And he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he wasn't a great fit for our league, and he, I mean, it just didn't work out all that well for us. And, and we were fortunate to have other players like Mo Johnston and Preki and Digital Takawira and Uchega Four and and some of these older guys, Sean Bowers, um, you know, and, and but characters too. You know, we had another Scottish guy that was a quite a character on the team back in the days, and. And we had Mike Amen, who who was, and Chris Nick are both the keepers. Keepers usually are yeah, a, little, a little, a little, a little different. Now Tim Melia is about the least different right. keeper we've ever had. He's, uh, but but he, we've had some. He's about as straight laced as Matt is. We had so Chris Nick at one time, and when in '99, when when we had a ha- he had a Halloween party, and he did every year at his house and invited Coach Gansler, who was not never really socialized or did anything with the team, and so the doorbell rings, we're all in there, the doorbell rings and. He opens it, and, and Bob Gainsler and his wife Nancy were dressed as a cowboy and cowgirl. It wasn't a costume party. Oh my. Um, so he walked in for one second and was so mad, walked out. And the next day, the guys had to run the whole practice. Oh, so, um, I mean, I, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's so many fun stories in the old days, and, and we talked about retro that just would not happen now. Uh, whether it was a training, we used to have three day trainings in preseason. That would never happen now. One one training we had that Rodney had was just throw-in training. Oh, if you man. try to get our guys now to to go out to a throw-in training, they, they, that just wouldn't happen. It's just unheard of. Um, and so I, I I tell a story a lot, but we did a the guys went out. The guys used to enjoy the social life way more back then because back then if you if you saw our players and if you looked at the '99 team photo compared to the 2019 team photo, 20 years later. The amount, the body types are completely different. I mean, that, <laughs> if you yeah. if Chet were to do the body fats on anyone, and Chet had made plenty of side dollars on maybe skewing some of the body fats from the old, from the olden days, <laughs> um, it is it, comp- the metrics are so different. Anyway, so we had a two mile run that uh, the players were going to do, and, and we were in Brandon, Florida, and, and Ron Newman wanted me to the finish line and said, "I'll call you." When we start, and then we'll drive down. Guy and I will drive down as his son, and meet you down there, and 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 watch the guys finish. Anyway, so the guys had gone out. We had all gone out the night before, very late. And so, Ron calls me. So I, but before him, Mo Johnston says, "Hey, Robo, like, help us out here. We we, <laughs> we can't be finishing in 
you know, two mile run in 36 minutes. It's not going to like, come on. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll delay it a little bit and start it. Anyway, so Ron calls me, guy and Ron come down there and, and, uh, you know, the guys are jogging in finishing line, but I'd started the stopwatch evidently way too late because Jake Dancy was the first one to finish and he finished in about nine minutes for two more than <laughs> maybe nine minutes and 20 seconds. And then people start, but, but if you just watch the optics of it, he was just trotting along. So I must have waited 10 minutes. I don't know how, I don't know what the difference was. Anyway, so Ron Newman changed our formation after this. Based on Based on, it. on he says the fastest team he's ever had. And so I finally, after four days, had to fess up and say that I might have Sorry, fudged the, uh, <laughs> the old buttons on the, on the thing. But Jake Dancy got, actually got moved from left back to forward. So his nickname has been Striker ever since. So. He actually moved back to Kansas City with his family, and his son's going to be in the, is in the academy now. So. Right. It all comes full circle. I, I, talk, I talk to all these guys still. I talk to so many former players. Uh, if, if you ever see me, if you're driving and I pass you, I'm always on my phone. And I'm always, that's the time I always talk to a lot of former players. So I still keep in contact with many, many, many folks from, from over the years. And you've seen a lot of players over the years. Who's been this, what was like the hardest goodbye when a player left? Uh, the hardest goodbye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, players. Well, first and foremost, our objective is to win. Winning is our number one business model, no matter what. So, if rarely has a player been here, and soccer is a not as sentimental as maybe a baseball is, where baseball players kind of stay for a couple of years too long because they're well liked. And soccer, that's just can't. That's you can't have that. Right. And so, when players leave. It's probably time that they they might have. I mean, I've I've had I mean, I've been in eight. I've been a groomsman in eight players' weddings. So I've been very close with eight. Wow. With uh, with players over the years. So uh, I mean, so my you know when I first started, I was very very young, and I was just the same age as all the players, and so I really we were all kind of very close. So we were, um, and then for the two thousand eras, I was really close with you know guys like Brandon Perdue and Chris Brown and and Kerry and and. And those in that crew, and then after that, I was very tight with Davey Arnault and Jack Jewsbury and and Josh Wolf and Jimmy Conrad, and then you know now I kind of really spend a lot of time with Matt Beisler and Graham Zuzzi and and Sessanovic, and and so it's all you know again it's one big kind of family, but um, I don't think there's been one time where I've said I'm super sad because it, it just happens, and yeah. and I still see on the soccer world is very small, so I still see. And in fact, a lot of former players or a lot of coaches in the league, and mm-hmm. you know, every time I see, we play the Galaxy, I see Chris Klein. I mean, there's, you run in Mike Burns was just here last week with with New England. I mean, so you, see, you run into all these guys over the time, so you really there's no uh, sentimentally, but I but you know, Bob Gansler probably is the one that we were very very close, and someone I really really respect, um, and so. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's doing well, but we're, I'm trying to bring him back this summer for for a game. So I, I always like seeing him. It's always yeah. one of my favorite people to see and, I, and and talk to. Yeah, it would be good to see him back. Um, and also speaking about Ron Newman earlier, is there any way we can get some memorial to him in the stadium somewhere? <laughs> I know, right? He he deserves it. He's. Yeah, he I know was he a, wasn't as winning a coach or. Hey, he was fifty. And, I think it was fifty and fifty all time. Um, huh. But those. Uh, he did a lot for. I mean, he was so enthusiastic. He, no one loved soccer more than Ron. Ron was a. He was always so happy. He was, he was joyous in the field. He was a character off the field. I mean, he was really a, a special personality. And um, unlike our current manager, Ron didn't necessarily like defending. He he 
He liked he would love to four four game and, and Peter wasn't overly thrilled with our our last result. So yeah. um I mean different to, I mean it, he came from the indoor side, Ron did, so he he likes the high scoring stuff, but um you know, which is always up to remind Peter that Peter was a forward for the bulk of his career. Mm-hmm. So. so people people forget that. Uh, uh but yeah, one of the favorite videos of Ron was uh, I think he was like threatening to fight the entire other team in one of those. <laughs> he defended his guys. He was, go, a, he was a he was a I mean like he really really did. He and he loved some of I mean he loved Paul Wright if anyone remembers that name. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Played uh played indoor for San Diego Soccer. And the Baltimore Blast I think is the fastest goal in indoor history at th- th- 2 or 3 seconds. Well, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> he was super quick. He was very fast, but you know, it'd be funny to see because people always try to compare generations. Would he be fast on this team that we have now? Because I mean, is Gerso? Fa- I mean, like I don't know. Comparatively, yes, he looks so much. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's faster than Paul Wright. Paul Wright was, fa- but I, I think I think this group of players is. I mean, first of all, I know they're much faster, but I, I just don't know where a player like Paul Wright, who was really fast, um, like Ryan Tinsley, was just here for sp- speed, really, but. I don't. I think he'd be well, in the I bottom half of our team on, your timing, on speed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> run, no one, no one can run nine game. miles <laughs> or nine minutes yeah. to two miles. That's almost yeah. impossible to do that comparison. I mean, people do that with like baseball and every other sport. But uh, it's hard. I know people would Babe Ruth do well now. I don't. No one. No one knows. With modern could, training techniques, would he be different? And would he? Would, would could he? Could he handle? I mean, I can. Well, I can unequivocally say that that. Everything. I mean, there was so much more space on the field in the olden days. If you watch any highlights. People can just dribble through anywhere. I mean, that's that, that just does not happen anymore. Our league is oh. is completely different in that in that realm. And and there were some sloppy goals in the old days, and and that was kind of what was endearing, you know. And 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 now you know, there's some really great. I mean, all you have to do is look at the top. We used to do a top 50 goals. I think the league did every year for. I mean, if you look at the top 50 goals then compared to now, I mean, it's just, the tactics and everything else, the techniques are. are much sharper now. I actually have some of those uh, DVDs that have those on. Yeah, there. <laughs> I mean it's. I mean the. I mean the league has grown so much. I mean it's kudos to all the new ownership that have come in, uh, and done some some really spectacular things. I think it started with, you know, Toronto coming in and really just hitting uh, a different market. Um, Seattle coming in and, and really putting emphasis in marketing. They spent, I think, one point two million dollars of first year marketing. And so that made everyone else have to catch up, and that was important. The league needed that, and and so you know all these different things that have happened that, that that keep increasing what we're doing. And and Commissioner Garber's done a tremendous job of expansion and, and getting in the right places, and and so uh, exposing the sport to more areas. And and now the academies. I mean, that's the next step. Is the academies are now have been catching up. You know, the last four years, and and I mean, I remember the olden days when we had. You know, we'd have reserve games, and those reserve games were basically, I mean, trying to s- squeeze out anyone you could possibly find to play in those. And it was, you'd play them at 10 in the morning the day after a game on the road. So if we played in Chicago, we'd play at night. On a Saturday night, we'd play at 10 in the morning the next day on Sunday. Well, you're just trying to find people that weren't, that didn't go out all night and <laughs> go out on the field and, and try to do it. I mean, Chance Myers, I think, was the leading goal scorer in the reserve league one season. I yeah, think you're so, right. I remember that. Um, yeah, I, so. I watched a few of those reserve games, and I know I saw staffers in them. Uh, <laughs> we rarely, but John Cott did make one appearance in them. We actually, Jeff Miles, we actually flew in from a bachelor party in Las Vegas to play in one. <laughs> oh my! Um, we're in we're in L.A. and we put him at left wing, 
and it was about a hundred degrees out, and he was. He, he did well. He, he actually played well, but he was not. He was struggling by the sixtieth minute. Yeah. Okay, so I've got I've got one for you. It's no secret that this team is very well media trained. All of these guys do very. You know, we we like to poke fun at Matt Beesler for sometimes seeming a bit robotic. He's just they're all very well media trained, and that's a credit to you. You, I imagine, other teams' management have to be very envious of. I don't, media train is. I mean, we we don't want robotic. We in fact we talk all the time. We we want personalities to show. Jimmy Nielsen wasn't robotic, but he had personality. Oh, yeah. And and no, I uh, love talking to him after games. Right. He was <laughs> he was great because he said we, we some players that come from overseas it takes a while. So when you have Johnny Russell yeah. who's not used to meeting in the locker rooms and all these stuff, he's still a little reserved. And we're trying to we're trying to do the opposite. Actually, we're trying to break him out of yeah. his shell. For that, we, we we want people to showcase their stuff because again, we are confident in in what we're doing and, and what our team is and, and who we are. And so, you know, I, I actually encourage them to be, you know, more, I guess, open or transparent. Yeah. Or not, not that's probably the wrong word, but more yeah. emotional or more show themselves more. Because Johnny Russell, away from cameras, is the biggest yeah. uh-huh. prankster on the team by far. Yeah. And then and then you know he's more buttoned up certainly. And mm-hmm. and you know Felipe Gutierrez did an interview. A couple of days ago, and, and he was way different than they've ever been, and that was a good step for him because he's got a good story and to tell. And, and yeah, um, so who is who is one player throughout your long tenure here that made you nervous when he would speak to the media? Who's one that you were nervous? Oh, might Nick, slip up? Nick Garcia was—I don't <laughs> say nervous is the right word, but he was—he was a—he could talk and then keep going down a path he probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably worried about yeah. Tony Mill was he was great with media. Tony Mill was fantastic with media, uh, but he would go on shows like <laughs> with Johnny Dare and 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 I'd so be nervous those, with Mule. <laughs> well, I'm not nervous with Mule, but when you go on with some people, like you don't know where the topics are going to go because they'd always stray away from soccer, and so then you you don't have control right. over what's going right. to come out next. So, but there's there's really How about like Dom Dwyer. Right. I imagine he no he, Dom. No? You know, Dom is a interesting story. I mean, he's he is a he became more reserved as his time definitely yes. yeah mm-hmm. and and so people think he's difficult but he he actually is, he's a he was a good teammate and he if you notice anything about Dom he always worked hard on the on the field um he could have he's in a situation now where he which i mean i i think he wishes he were back here um but probably uh, He's a, player, which is you know that's that's true. That, that that actually is true. People that want to leave, you know, do come back or want to come back, and and that's a testament to the club and and the stuff we do because we really want to take care of them because they're again they're our biggest asset and and winning is our primary focus on the soccer and the business side. Uh, but there's no one really that I'd be nervous. Well, okay. About. One one think. good question that came to my mind is Kai Kamara has had trouble in almost every other locker room he has been in did did you see something in particular that like what what do you think about this team made it work so well well there's you have to understand your players so kai kamara if, there was a game we played the galaxy and if you googled worst miss in soccer oh, I, know the, <laughs> I know the one so yeah. the ball is skiddling across a goal mouth probably going in and and not only did he not tap it in he slipped and then landed on with his hand for for a handball Handball and freaking the opposite way. So, well, so, Christian Ramirez had a 
one almost as bad, like just well, last so, week. So that was a tough thing to do, and, and so we had to manage through that that game. We played in D.C. the following week, and he scored a very, very, very good goal. And I called ESPN and said, hey, here's a clip from Kai Kamara. And they're like, oh, we have a lot of clips. I'm like, you got to run this clip. And they ran it, I think it was like number six, seven, somewhere in there, in the top plays. And so we then we did an article about, hey, listen, you can have a tough day at the office like he did one week ago and then come back and make be in the top ten the next week. And and so managing through that, that was a good story and a positive story, and it really helped Kai out and it showcased how good he was. And, and, and listen, goal scorers especially, having an ego – is a good th- like exactly. you don't want a shy, sad, bashful sure. goal scorer. They're not going to do that well, I don't think. Exactly. So you have to those, you know. And and typically, when things are going really well, they're a little more squirrely. So like Eddie Johnson, <laughs> Eddie Johnson was was that way for sure. Uh, he had back to back hat tricks and was grouchy after the second game. Um, <laughs> and so you just have to go. You just, you just have to understand these little nuances and, and work through it and. And you know if that means they need to take an extra couple minutes to compose themselves and, and really think about that, then, then so be it. Usually they're way more talkative when they're on a good goal scoring streak. <laughs> the, the best interview I ever got with Josh Wolf was he had like uh, seven games where he scored like five goals over seven games. That was like the best interview I ever got with him. So Josh is well now. Josh is completely different now. Now he's <laughs> he was just in town. He spent four, five days in Kansas City. Yeah, I saw him, I think, last week or the week before. And so he's completely different now. I still talk to Josh a lot. Um, I've been very close with him over, over the years, and, and now he's all about soccer, which is which is funny. But, um, you know, Josh is – Josh, there's some players that are just completely honest about themselves and with themselves. Josh was one of those players. He knew that when we, when we played at Community America Ballpark that that wasn't the best stadium – that wasn't the best field for him. He doesn't work well in tight spaces. He was, you know, he's five eight, hundred and fifty two pounds probably. So he needed space, and he, that's how he was. So he actually told our coach at the time uh, that, and so they put in Beerham Diop for one game, and he had a hat trick in that game. So that, that Josh Wolf actually noticed that before before that. So the, the, you know, these are the little stories that always come up that people don't know about. But Josh Wolf was very in tune with himself and with soccer and how it all. And how it all related. I'm just um, glad we got one Diop reference in with this regiment. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he came. Well, we picked him up. He was a he played soccer for the club team or something in New York, and then he was a he worked at a department store, clothing store in New York. And that's where he found him, and then he came here and uh, had one great. I mean, he was a different player. But again, would he make the team now? I don't. I don't think so at all. I, I, yeah, I, doubt, I seriously right. I don't know where. He, didn't, so did he follow Octavio? Um, the, yeah, he did. He was like he was like with two For, different teams. Octavio was on before that. Um, what was his last name? Zambrano. Zambrano. Yeah, he was like with two different teams, and then he disappeared after he left here. I think he was like coaching some team in the upper like northeast somewhere, and then I haven't seen any reference to him since then. Yeah, Octavio. So we played in the All Star game in two thousand. So in two thousand we. It started off very, very strong. We started 10-0-2 that season, and, and so we had a lot of All-Stars that year. And Gansler, who did not like the pageantry of All-Star games, uh, coached the West, and Octavio actually coached the East. And it was a shame of a game. And they, there was lots of goals, and Gansler was another coach that didn't like giving him goals ever. Um, 
So he actually put Tony Mayo up top to like it was a whole. So I remember Octavio and he were completely different personalities and different people. Um, actually, I have the meal. I don't. I don't keep. You know, I've not been a big collector ever, and I wish maybe I should have. And I was a ball. Boy, I was a ball boy for the Royals when I was growing up. So I was. I was actually a ball boy for. Uh, the Royals in 1985 when they won the World Series over St. Louis. And so, uh, but I never, I've never been that way. But I do actually, one of the things I have is I have Miola's all-star number one field jersey when we played that game. Wow. So, somewhere, you somewhere you in my did collect basement. things. You're I know. Mecca. Well, <laughs> I, I guess, but my, we, you would be unmatched. I, yeah, but that's just not, that's just not me. I guess Vermees would have quite the collection also. He's not, he is, he too is not a collector of, I don't that does not surprise me. <laughs> I would venture to guess that his house is cleaner than mine, though. <laughs> all right, Robo. So, two-part question. Yeah. All right. And okay. So I imagine you've you've met a variety of characters over the time, and some who came in, you're probably like, "Oh, this is going to be an adjustment or tough for this person." So, first part: Are coaches more difficult in that area? Their adjustment coming to Kansas City, or is it players? Uh, how do you go on that end? I mean, adjustments are like Latif Blessing came here uh, the beginning of last season, two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, yeah. And he was really needed help with adjusting to right. America, to a new league, to a new to being by himself, to everything. In fact, we so we were so we went out to dinner in preseason. We were in Tucson, and Latif walked in. We had already sit. There's me and probably four or five of the guys. We're sitting down eating, and and he ordered a pizza, but ordered it with he wanted a pizza with no sauce and no cheese. And so we're sitting, we're sitting there, and we're like, and so like we're like, what, what do we do? Like, What's how do to we? Come out right now? Yeah. So like, so Matt Beasler got up and explained to him, you know, this is what pizza is. This is how you order, and and so you know, and, and Latif at the time had never had Dr Pepper, so he went to get a drink and tasted a little Dr Pepper, and then. <laughs> thought, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever yeah. <laughs> experienced in my life. Yes. And so he filled up these huge and so Matt again had explained, hey, soda's really bad for soccer players, uh which is funny, which is one thing that's different. Like I've never seen players drinking soda or stuff. I mean it's just eating bread. I mean these things are that happened retro wise a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. It, was, it was commonplace, but now I don't so uh so he really needed help a lot of guys took him under their wing and, and helped him out. Um and and so that was much it's much better for him that he was here first than rather than going to L.A. first. I think right, that really right. probably helped him out. But <laughs> um, but really, no. I mean, it's not. I was adjusting. Sometimes you know now we have players that don't have, don't have cars, so they have to get picked up and and whatnot. But um, you know, Roger Spinoza does an unbelievable job with bridging the gap of everyone on our team. There's you know whether anyone comes in from whatever he is a you know this team is all together. So if you go if you watch us eating our team meals. That whatever open seats there, that's where the player takes. They don't sit in clicks. They don't sit in groups. That's how it's always been. I mean, it's really been phenomenal, and it's so much different. Every player that comes here from a different team says that's the one thing they notice how how different that is. That everyone just you sit with anyone, and and that's and you get along. And, and I mean, it's just completely different um, metric than any, than any other club has. And Rogers a really really big advocate of that. But but again, coaches get credit because the coaches set the culture and they bring the players in and and they've. You know, if you don't fit into the culture, they move on, and and that's just how it works. I was actually just about to ask you who that person was because I've heard it was Roger. He's been that guy. That he he's phenomenal. All, all the guys are, but he really, really, really is. He he's he's invaluable in that area, and, and 
people in Salt Lake and people think that Roger's the so Roger's unbelievably nice and that, what a great guy. And I know people say that about a lot of players that are in their markets and and you, that you don't know and and whatnot. But he he really is. He's he is misunderstood. Peter Vermes is misunderstood too. People people think that Peter's. Yells all the time and grouchy. Peter's got a great personality, and he Peter's hilarious. Yeah, like, he Peter's is. one of the funniest. I mean, he, but he's he, but he wants to be happy. He wants to be, you know. I mean, he wishes he was happy all the time. Even things that make him not happy are, you know, <laughs> bad, yeah. bad defending or you know or some other things. But or stupid but, questions from the media. Yeah. No, but he doesn't even get mad. No, he doesn't really ever get mad at that either. So okay, you talk, you mentioned Roger. Um, let's let's accept the present team. So besides the present team, what player in the history of your Tenure has epitomized the sporting spirit or Kansas City spirit the most on and off the field. I mean, we talked about Jimmy Nielsen earlier. Jimmy Nielsen wanted to win. He was a team first guy. He did not care if he had a shutout. He did not care about any of that stuff. He wanted to win, and he held everyone accountable for that. And that's kind of embodies who we are. Winning is a team first. Uh, it doesn't matter else. And once you win, you celebrate with everyone. And and then the next day, you move on and really focus for the next week. And that there, there's been lots of guys like that over the years. Uh, I mean, Mo Johnston was a great. He was a gamer. He he wanted to win uh, so much. Um, Peter Vermes, when he came here, brought a different mindset. I mean, so again, we went from eight and twenty four in ninety nine to winning supporter our only supporter shield in two thousand, and that's a change of culture, and that's hard to do. But that's the addition of Peter Vermes and and Carries of Agnan and you know Chris Henderson was a good leader, but he had been there before too, and so was Chris Klein, and and adding new pieces. But that you know that. Back then, their training sessions were much different now. Their training sessions were very competitive, and, and if you won that day in training, if you were in a small-sided game and your team, your team, the blue team won, they would own it the rest of the day. And, 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 and so it was every day was a big competition. I mean, you had, but you had competitive guys. We always had Matt McEwen was very competitive. Um, you know, Miklos Molnar was very competitive. I mean, so you had a lot of guys that wanted to win, and so – you know, those are ones that stay here and do well and, and you gravitate towards. Davey Arnault, I mean, no one embodies wanting to win more than, than Davey did. Uh, and everything. <laughs> and everything. I mean, yeah. so that, that – uh, uh, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Cards, I've, I've played plenty of card matches with him too. He's probably the single guy I've seen in the most confrontations in practice. Now, and he'd be buddy-buddy with the guy after that moment. But. Oh, yeah, he was he was, he was was fiery. For sure, and and this generation is a little different than than that one. Yeah, this generation's less confrontational, might be the wrong word, but they less they're they're not they don't that's not how they're built as much. And and um, I know it's one thing that I'm always trying to monitor and, and see because I think healthy competition is good, but how far as that goes is is where you're looking at. That's a big credit to Vermees for adapting to that too, because he's he's a different guy. But he's adapted to that for the newer generation. Being a coach for a long period of time is not easy. It's not because you, we've seen in all sports, being a player's coach might work for four months, but it's not. it doesn't work for the long run. It just does not. You can't be a player's coach. Maybe in baseball, maybe, because all you're trying to do is manage stuff, but it just does not work. So you have to balance that with being an authoritarian, but also knowing when to pull the strings and when not to, and that's it's it's very psychological. Uh, Bob Kanzler was a was great at if you're winning, he was hard on you. If you were not, he was not. He was it was lighter. Um, but you know, one of my favorite Bob Kanzler nuances is after every training, the players would stretch. And Bob wasn't huge on compliments um, to players, uh, but 
he would dribble around a soccer ball around around the circle. The guys are stretching, and if he if you had a good training while you're stretching, he would nutmeg you. And so pe- <laughs> so people would do these long lunges trying when he was walk by trying to get uh-huh. nutmeg. They'd pass him by and, and, wow. and all these things. But um, so those are those are the fun things you look for. But I just remember one time that we had a defender named Todd Jenkins on this ro- roster, and oh yeah. And Bob, one at a time, wanted to get to know the players more, and and because '99, he was very hard on the guys. Um, some players, Scott Uteritz and, and players like that, and so he he wanted to change that in, in the next year. So Taj Jenkins was on our team, and so Coach Ganza went over and said, you know, he knew that Taj loved the outdoors, and he's a former number one draft pick, number one pick overall, and thing in Colorado. And he asked Taj about outdoors, and Taj says, "Oh yeah, I love it so much. I'd much rather win the Bass Pro Fishing title than the." MLS Cup. Oh, wow. And so games like, I'm not talking to players ever. Like, this is, this is exactly why I don't do I it. I can't else. take this anymore. This is, this is, so. Um. so we've talked about pundits. You know, we know how they are. We've talked about, um, you know, coaches, players. But what about fans? What Has there ever been an instance where a fan has messaged you with just some ludicrous idea or thought? Yeah, or yeah. there's one that stands out. <laughs> You're like, really? Yes. We, I got an email, a long email, from a fan that said, his son's team lost in a U10 and U9 game, eight to zero. And after every after every one of the eight goals, their team celebrated, and they must have gotten that from us when we celebrate when we score goals. So can you please tell your players not to celebrate? <laughs> and I yes. said, and, and, and I was like, that is great, dear so and so. Yes, I for sure will tell our players <laughs> not to celebrate because scoring goals is a horrible thing, and we don't want to do ever like. And it's our fault for but it's your. Not, it's not even that like. Oh my gosh, this can't be where we're headed, and and so luckily those emails are semi few and far between. But we get some people that that I don't take it. I don't know. Just maybe to have it need to reset their perspective a little bit. But very rarely we have we have unbelievable fans, and and we want to have a great relationship with them. But that one really really stood out because it was a really long email, and I do read them because we you have to, and and but I did tell them that. This, probably not going to happen <laughs> okay so we're coming up on an hour which i thank you very much for staying this long uh so we'll let you go soon but i wanted one thing that gets everyone angry in this in this mls world we live in is i want to get your thoughts on promotion and relegation ever i'm not talking in five years i mean ever would you like to or do you think promotion relegation? It's not, what I, it's not whether I like to or, or, or not, but it's it would never happen. Never will happen. It will never, okay. it will okay. never happen. It, it just will not. So it doesn't matter if I want it to or I think it's a great idea. I mean, in, on paper, sure, it would be fun for a little bit maybe, but it's not. It, we're not built that way. We're completely different than, than other leagues in the world, and, and you know our fans are different uh, because it's not – there's a lot of options in, in America, first of all, but there's – we're not – Built that way, and that's fine. Right. I mean, I, I I tell a story. If you could play, you could watch a game overseas, and and there'd be a great sequence starting from the keeper plays to the right back, back to the center back, plays it to the center mid, switches out right right, long crossover switch, switching fields to the left side, plays it back to center mid, through ball shot that goes over the crossbar, and their fans would cheer like crazy. Yeah, our fans would be like, "Wow, could you miss that shot?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just built. It's just we will see the game differently. We it just it's just different. It doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just how we are. It's just. So even if they even okay, how many teams do you see them stopping at, or do you see them stopping? I mean, they said recently at thirty thirty teams. That seems like a a, a good number, and and yeah, but I don't think they'll stop there. I think they'll keep. Ah, uh, there's no way of knowing. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe you know we we there's enough work to do, and thirty teams is. I mean, that's 
Listen, a lot a lot of markets want soccer, which is which is great because that was not the case uh, twenty years ago, right? So, and that's um, got to be one of the most amazing things for for you, for me, that's been around since day one of this league. Obviously, in different roles, but just watching the explosion of soccer over the last decade. I mean, really, going going to the game, traveling all the games. I mean, we you know playing at playing the Miami Fusion in Lockhart Stadium, which looks like a high school field, and it was dimly lit, and and you know, or going to San Jose, playing San Jose State when the field was 54 yards wide. I mean, so, you know, and you think to, to now is, is yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. But, you know, we've made so many strides. There's still, as I said, there's teams that, that, that we still need to step up in many areas, and, and um, that's a good goal. We don't want to grow just for the sake of growing and, and overpopulate. But, you know, I guess the positive thing about growing is that there's hundreds of thousands of great soccer players in the world. There are not hundreds of thousands of great basketball players, football players, and other that, that could play in the NBA. So we do have a different pool to pull from. Um, but you know, I think one thing you'll see moving forward is you'll see more the scouting and everything else will continue to grow with with teams and and us included. I know I've seen a bunch of the uh, the new teams that are coming in come through Kansas City <clears throat> to. Check out what you guys do, how you do it. Is that kind of a point of pride that you have so many others? It, it is because it's not only just the stadium, and the stadium was was really ahead of its time and, and, and great. But it's also the we keep mentioning culture. It's also the culture. How you build? How can you build something that's sustainable and lasts? And, and and that's that's important. So when we talk to all these teams, and we do talk to many teams. Um, their one takeaway they wanted to keep understand how that how we could do that. And Peter Vermes is a is a very big part of that. And, and, you know, Cliff Hillig and Mike Hillig and, and Greg Madej and Rob Heineman and Pat Coran are, are big parts of that. I mean, so there's, there's lots of different components. Um, okay, so you have to that. just be like, find your own Peter Vermees and then you'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not easy. That's, that, that's yeah. not, but you know, and, and that works for us, but it's, you know, again, go back to the first word I said, vision. You have to have a strong vision that, that makes sense. And, and, you know, we are, Vested in other teams doing well, succeeding. We're a single entity league, so we succeed when other teams do well too. So, you know, there is this camaraderie. You know, while we do have some secret sauce that we don't want to necessarily give up, that we do share lots of information with other teams. So after twenty-two some odd years, you know, you've talked uh, to me personally about you know it's a lot of hours, etc. You got a family, but what keeps you excited about coming to work every day? Winning now after twenty-two years, winning, winning, okay, yeah, winning, winning trumps everything. It's the only thing I've. St- Concretely know that winning is better than losing. That's I've, all the things I've learned. It's still the one thing I'm 100 percent absolute on. Uh, you know, you get to celebrate with the team and the fans, and and there's no better feeling than you know watching them at home swaying back and forth, chanting and singing, and and that's well, I mean that never that's never gonna get old ever ever. Yeah, that's that's sure. out of all uh, those winning moments, which one was the favorite? 2000. Oh, before? you know my. My job, my job is is different because you have to, you know, I'm in work mode. Aaron Heifetz for the '99 Women's World Cup when he ran in, in his vest and jumped on the on the pile to celebrate, and that that is not <laughs> in the PR manuals to to, to do. <laughs> right. um, and Aaron Heifetz is a great person and, and still is with the women's national team and, and does some yeah, good stuff. He's a he's a great guy with those guys. He, he is, but you know that's not something you know. Actually, I think the women's team framed that vest that he wore and gave it to him <laughs> many, many, many years later. Anyway, so um, so we still have to be, you know, whether winning or losing, you still have to do that. Now, I remember being 
you know, PKs are obviously very nerve wracking. Um, you hate for them to come down to that, but it's fortunate that we were on the positive end on, on many of those. Too many times. Um, so those are really because it's, everything stopped and so you're really focused on that. So, uh, I think both the most cup wins were great. 2000 when they put six minutes of stoppage time up um, and, and watching Gensler, I mean, with no goal scored and four subs and no injuries in the second half and putting six minutes of stoppage time was was tough, but that made it even better. Um, when we barely were fighting and clawing and barely held on um, was great. And then the, obviously the, the penalty kicks in 2013 were uh, being at home. Um, the cold. Yeah, every, everything. Watching, yeah, I mean, that was, you know. Beer slushies. It, it was... <laughs> I don't, remember, I don't. I don't. Everyone. I don't remember being cold. I was outside for a bulk of the the second half, um, and so yeah. But just the crowd, the noise, and, and I mean, I was just. I just remember the flood of people on the field after the game, and people yelling at me from the league office, "Get get everyone off!" I'm like, "What in the world?" Like, yeah, yeah. Is there a tarp I can throw over? I mean, like, there's, how can, I can't get them off. You're supposed to lasso them. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I mean, but everyone. I mean. You know when you when you struggle and then you come back and win. I mean, there's there's minor victories too. I remember a game uh, after Peter took over. We didn't win, but we played very well, and we hadn't played well at that point, and that was a big moment. I remember, um, and so there was a change again. There was a change of changing of the guard and, and and whatnot. So there's little there's little things that sure that that somehow just stick and, and whatnot. Right. We, we've we kept you for a long time, and I do yes. appreciate that. So we probably need to let you go so you can go home. You're welcome to stay around longer. <laughs> um, we're we're planning on doing another podcast. I don't know if we're yeah. going to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I was literally just like, I'm like my, uh, to bring it back to St. Louis, my St. Louis Blues are yeah. about to drop yeah, the puck they, they they right they are, now. I'm, so. re- I'm ready for the Blues. Ready I'm ready to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Robo. And yeah, I really appreciate pleasure. it. Thanks, everyone. We uh, we need to have you on like a regular, like once a month guest because there's a lot of stuff. That yeah, we, we, can, can, we yeah, can't we even do. get the four of us together yeah. once a month <laughs> consistently. But, but no, now that you got here, I realize like how many questions we have for you. So yeah, yeah, yeah right now because I listen. I'm again, I'm pretty open, and I've I remember I have a pretty good memory about about things I, when you when you're yeah. around. A, this long and, and I mean, there's really like a thousand idea. questions. You know, like what's the worst meal that you ever ate in the road? Or well, I can tell you that. I can tell you the worst meal. We we <laughs> the we in '98 preseason. We again, we're on limited budgets. We were, we had to eat every we ate every meal at Olive Garden. We had, had one of three choices for six and a half straight weeks in preseason. So it was like a deal with Olive Garden. We made a deal with Olive Garden for set fee and. Like we had to put signs up at our training facility. I, whatever How many we had to. That's what I'm saying. So I can't even smell Olive Garden now. He still goes <laughs> back because you literally have. One, I mean, like you don't realize how. That's a lot of. That's a lot. A lot of. A lot of but you know now. We, I mean, can you imagine our players like Peter would, and our nutritionist and our fitness yeah. folks would be like Olive Garden? You can eat. That's not <laughs> really befitting of a of an athlete. We ate there every lunch. Wow. Yeah, way too so, many carbs. Yeah. See, like, I, on the other hand, I'm like, I say that now. Like, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, this was fun. We will hopefully talk to you soon. You got it. Am I going to outro this thing? Yeah, give us a little right now. Woo! When we celebrate, when we lose, we swear, it's not a night
the fate of her So are you gents beware Well it's a frightful night Well it's a frightful night We can gather all the friends All around that tomb That's not a better thing to do Well it's a frightful night Well it's a frightful night When the final whistle blows We're gonna celebrate tonight When the final whistle blows We're gonna celebrate tonight When the final whistle blows You know we're gonna feel alright 